And now it's time for our WTF segment. you got to say W because we don't have any religion reporters in Canada. Do you know that? Do we not? No. Really? Yeah. There was one, and I think he just retired. Pretty weird, eh? Wow. Eh? <laughs> anyway, this segment, Where's the Faith? That's where we talk to uh, various religion reporters or uh, maybe editor-in-chiefs, and we catch up on the happenings in the world of religion and faith and cults. Oh, my. Today's WTF guest is Jerome Sokolovsky. He is the editor-in-chief of Religion News Service, religionnews.com, religionnews.com. What a brilliant source for religion news. Obviously, a well-named website as well. Uh, Jerome, what's going on? Where are you? Drew, uh, good to be on the show. It's a, it's a real honor, and thanks for that uh, fabulous introduction. Uh, I'm at home right now. It's weekend, so, um, yeah, just hanging out with my family and... Uh, talking to you now. Well, thank you for talking to us. I appreciate it. You've got a crack team of uh, reporters. I want to talk about some of their stories. Uh, first of all, I want to go right to the Jehovah's Witness stuff I've been seeing. A little bit of persecution going on in Russia. Is that right? That's right. Uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, they, uh, the Supreme Court uh, ruled that the Jehovah's Witnesses are what they call, what they termed, an extremist group. Uh, an extremist an extremist group in Russia is a, is, is a faith group that sees its path to salvation as an exclusive one, and in Russia only the Orthodox Church and a, a few others are allowed to claim that. Uh, so the Jehovah's Witnesses were banned, and in the first couple of weeks, they were the, the Witnesses told us that they were afraid and wary, uh, but not that much happened. But in the past week or so, there have been incidents of vandalism and arson attack, uh, kids in school being harassed by teachers. Uh, one Danish uh, member of the Jehovah's Witnesses is actually in jail right now, too. Well, that's because he's Danish, not because he's a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that may be a crime in Russia, too, for all yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They only have bagels there. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> So, uh, I, you know, I, sometimes I think about what goes on here in our in our land, uh, North America, and uh, and I'm trying to think if if we would ever put that uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses in that category of an extremist group. Do you think that would ever happen here, Timmy? Because we we got a lot of hate laws floating around. You're not allowed to say this, think that, or do whatever. Not extremists, but I think for ringing our doorbells too much, it might be yeah. a crime. When was the last time, uh, Jerome, you you heard of uh, Jehovah's Witness persecution? When was the last time you heard of that? Uh, I can't say that, that I have, and certainly not in, in North America. Um, I think one thing that's interesting to know about the Jehovah's Witnesses is, is that they avoid politics. They, they try to remain neutral. Many of them don't even vote, at least here in the U.S., in elections. Hmm. And that is, I, I have a sense that that may be part of what's going on in Russia, that's, you know, now with Putin, there's this sort of, chauvinistic, militaristic, patriotic style, and the Jehovah's Witnesses by being pacifists and not getting, not not wanting to be political, they sort of clash against that. Can I just, as a complete aside here, and I want to bring Tim in on this conversation, can I just tell you that the next um, mixed martial arts match that I want to see is Putin and, and Trump, toe-to-toe in the cage, what do you think? Trump wouldn't last for a second because uh, Putin's KGB. Like, he's he's a trained 
killer. He's ripped, and he can ride horses without his shirt yes, on. Yes, and kiss bears. <laughs> All right, let's move back. It's, it outweighs him, though, right? Is yes. Like, Does that not count, Tim? Well, he could use the hair as a distraction. <laughs> look over here. Look over here. Maybe um, we can find a Jehovah's Witness to uh, referee. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Jerome. He's in. He's in. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right, well, let's talk about uh, what's going on with this group of nuns who are breaking their silence. I was going to go somewhere else, but breaking their silence and embracing the Internet. I, I thought nuns were okay to get on the Internet. What's going on? Yeah, that was, that was a cute story that our Vatican correspondent, Josephine McKenna, found uh, on the island of Sardinia, a... Uh, Nuns in a convent have been closed off for centuries to the outside world. Wow. And, you know, with with the uh, not as many people joining uh, orders, religious orders these days, they decided to take a drastic measure and actually get on Google and, and social media and kind of let the world know what their life is like. Uh, they also had a photo uh, exhibition uh, so if you go to our, our site, as you mentioned before, religionnews.com, there are a couple photos from that, which are pretty pretty uh, moving images, I have to say. Man, that would be so interesting to hang out with those nuns. I mean, I think the term is cloistered. They've been they've been kind of sequestered and cloistered. I don't know if I'm using the right... <laughs> sure. Hidden <laughs> away. Cloistered, yeah, behind walls. Yeah. Uh, and for them to kind of, you know, uh, get connected online, I mean, first of all, what's it doing to them? Can you imagine them... You know, all of a sudden coming across TMZ.com. Jeez. All I know is that one of them has been nicknamed Sister Google now. Sister Google. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's really funny, man. Sister Google. I think America should write a song about her. Sister Golden Hair Surprise. (laughs) All right. Now, a couple of stories here that kind of tie in together that I want to touch on. Of course, uh, you know, uh, there was uh, <clears throat> a stabbing on the train in, um, in where was it, Portland. And then, of course, the, uh, the Manchester bombing. And um, how have you found, just in general, and I know there's a couple of articles that you guys have written about this, uh, and just in general, how, how are the spiritual communities handling this? I mean, it's, a lot of times I think when horrific events like this happen, sometimes the they, the site gets converged on by people with religious agendas, and and uh, somebody needs a little camera time, you know, like a Don King or a, or a, not Don King. Who's the uh, who's the uh, black rights guy in the states that always gets on the camera? Uh, Sharpton. Yeah, Al Sharpton? Sharpton, kind of a thing. Al Sharpton. Yeah. Um, how have how have you found that the religious and spiritual communities are, are rea- even the secular communities? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny you mention that. I, I myself covered the uh, Charleston shootings, the, the, the when the white supremacist shot uh, nine worshipers at a, an African-American church. Uh, was it, I think, a year, maybe two years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. toward the end of the Obama administration? And I remember there being all sorts of uh, kind of street preachers, like, flying in from around the country. Um, maybe street preacher is the wrong word, but, you know, almost like, televangelist types coming in and uh, posing there for the, the cameras uh, to send send their message. And uh, I, I wasn't at either in Manchester or Portland myself. We did have a reporter out in Portland. Um, and I don't know of if that happened in these cases, but I think what, what we did see, uh, the most interesting thing, I think, 
we saw was a kind of secular form of mourning or memorializing and expression of values hmm. um, in both cases. You know, so, it, you know, in, in recent years, you see it in, in, in other places as well. Um, like after uh, Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin was shot, there were people placed all these candles and flowers at the site of the, the shooting. Um, and it's kind of become normal now, but one thing that uh, our reporter in Manchester found out was that, or she, I think when she, what she did very well was contrast that with like uh, 50 years ago, a uh, the Manchester football or soccer, I don't know what you call it, north of the border, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> we, we, call, we call it faking being hurt. <laughs> but anyway, back then, you know, people waited for the funerals in churches to kind of express their grief, whereas now everybody comes out, and not everybody, but a lot of people come out on the, onto the streets and hold vigils and memorials, light candles, sing songs, mm. uh, songs rather than hymns, actually, mm. popular songs. Um, the big one I forgot to mention is uh, Lady Di, when she uh, died there was uh, also that kind of that's right outpouring. that's right well it's inter- and, i mean really you look at portland you look at the uk and they're both very uh, i would say exceedingly secular uh, cultures and and so how do how do oh, uh, overly i was going to say overly secular call but how do main mainstream secular cultures how do they uh, process grief you know and it's like i'm thinking about uh, bart campolo's son sorry Tony Campolo's son, Bart Campolo, who's a humanist chaplain, um, you know, who leads the people in, in their grieving? And I, what I'm hearing from you is people don't need no leading. They don't need no God. They don't need no religion to to grieve publicly. Uh, and and but what, are they, but what do they do with their grief? Like a lot of, mo- I would think most religious people would look upwards and they would pray for peace and healing and, and maybe even cry out why or whatever. What do people with no God do in these things? Right. I mean, I, th- I think what's interesting is that they they actually do uh, look back and and borrow from religious traditions. Uh, at the at the site in Portland, there were uh, people had placed images of deities, or you know, they would say prayers. Um, some people would go to church, even though they hadn't been there for a while. Um, I think as to whether they do or don't need leaders, perhaps this, there is a kind of democratization of, of, uh, of a public grief or civil religion that people right. kind of want to come together and want to find uh, brotherhood and sisterhood with other people and do that in a way that, you know, where they don't need uh, a leader. Perhaps, you know, I don't know if the mayor there was involved, maybe mm-hmm. secular individuals. Uh, can get involved too, right? Well, as yeah. as a, as a hospital chaplain myself, I I know that um, you know grief counseling is what we're really talking about here because people are processing their grief, whether they were involved with the event or not. You know, people just some people grieve um, from a distance, or they yeah. you know some people walk around looking for stuff to grieve about. Um, and and then you know who comes in, who helps, who guides, who, and and again you're talking about this thing in Portland. Uh, you know that's a very secular secular area, and uh, and it's kind of it's it it'll be interesting to see. I think this is sort of, I think we're we're seeing 
more public displays of secular grief. Have, choosing to have nothing, not choosing, but just the way they've grown up, but have nothing to do with, with, uh, with a, a supernatural um, restoration of one's soul as a result of a horrific event. And, and I think we're going to see more and more and more of it. It's fascinating the time we're living in right now. Right. It, yeah, it definitely is. One, one person that our uh, reporter in the UK quoted talked about a de- de-reformation, a kind of mm. allowing back in of rituals and symbols uh, people talking about angels and, you know, our daughter is in, is in heaven with the angels now, you know, talking in very sort of with religious, almost uh, pre-Reformation Catholic imagery mm-hmm. in, in a country like the UK, which is also very interesting. It's also the yoga code. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Well, you have just been a pleasure to chat with. Thank you so much again for your time, Jerome, and rolling with our goofiness here on the show. Jerome Sokolovsky, he is the editor-in-chief of Religion News Service. He's the big kahuna, the big cheese, the big uh, the big tamale, I don't know, whatever. Grand fromage. Yes, that's him. Uh, he has been our... one person thinks so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to tell your staff. Uh, he is yeah. the uh, today's WTF guest. Of course, that stands for Where's the Faith? And uh, I appreciate your time, Jerome. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Anytime, Drew. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Jerome Sokolovsky. Again, the website is religionnews.com, religionnews.com. What a resource for all uh, stories in the world of religion and and faith and cults. Oh, my. All right. We are going to take a short break, and when we come back, it's the pub crawl on the show. That's where a couple of pals and I crack open a few topics, um, current affairs, pop culture, even touchy-feely relational stuff. (laughs) Ooh. 